Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we are chatting with Nick Murray, a podcaster, blogger, game publisher, and yes, a dentist. Nick is co-founder of Bite Wing Games, who are currently running a Kickstarter campaign for three different card games. Nick, welcome to The Binge. How are you? Doing great. Doing well. Thank you for having us on, on such short notice. Uh, it's been a hectic week for us just <laughs> launching on Tuesday, but it's it's fun to uh, jump in and do this here now on Thursday. Uh, Mid-campaign, I tell you, uh, every time I talk to somebody who is in the middle of their campaign, it's always the same. It is absolute chaos, <laughs> stress, uh, sleep deprivation. It, it is just, uh, I, I can totally appreciate uh, the, the hectic uh, lifestyle you're going through right now as you're going through this campaign, especially being your first campaign. It is uh, it's no picnic, I guess, uh, for people out there that um, haven't done campaigns uh, who have listened to this podcast, you're gonna hear the same thing over and over and over again. We just went through it again with Oros. Uh, it is probably one of the most painful processes you could ever go through. So probably not as painful as maybe a root canal or something yeah, like that. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's some procedures I would, I would rather do a Kickstarter campaign than have to do that. So, but luckily as a general dentist, you can just refer it out to a specialist if it looks like it's <laughs> going to be a headache. So. <laughs> so that's awesome. So you're actually a dentist, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, and your business partner is a dentist as well. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Kyle and I were both dentists. We're not living in the same location right now, but we, we went through schooling together and that's how wow. we got to know each other. And then, so when you guys decided to form uh, this company, Bitewing Games, um, were you in the same city at that time or was it something where you'd already kind of gone your different ways and just kind of stayed in contact or how did that work? Yeah. So we, we met actually an undergrad uh, mm-hmm. at Utah State University. We were both going there. He, we were both in the pre-dental club. So we were doing stuff like we we would go down to Tijuana every year and uh, offer like free cleanings to people and uh, kind of get get a feel for a little bit of the dentistry. And uh, then we would, Kyle actually taught a DAP prep course. The DAP is the dental admissions test. And I took that from him and he like killed the exam. And so I, I took everything he taught us as doctrine and it helped me to do well. And so we both ended up you know, applying for dental school and getting in. And we ended up at the same dental school at Ohio State University um, because apparently they like Utah residents in particular as far as out-of-state residents go. So you're always trying to apply to a school that you have a good chance of getting into because it costs money to submit an application to a school. So you don't want to just waste your, you know, all that jazz. But anyways, we ended up at at dental school and uh, I got into board gaming quite a bit while there because this dental school is like a hundred years old. Actually, okay. it turns out next week, they're finally moving the students into the new building and they were working on it. They've been working on it for years. They were still working on it when I was there. But anyways, this hundred year old building has like no windows. Everybody's wearing gray scrubs and <laughs> it feels like Azkaban in some ways, you know, where, where it's just like, it sucks your soul out because all you're talking about is teeth all day and you're sitting sure. at these PowerPoints and, and watching that. And so, that drove me to uh, to pursue like really hard hobbies that that can kind of bring balance and sanity to me. So I was getting into tennis a lot more again since high school and uh, got into that again in Columbus and got really into board gaming as well. And uh, eventually started designing my own games. And I actually passed along my first prototype to Kyle. And it was 
like in retrospect, this, this game was just a mess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your first game that you make is, is, uh, you have these rose tinted glasses. You think it's going to be the next Catan or Monopoly. Oh, yeah. It's going to be the next for sure. And it's going to hit like a million dollars <laughs> on Kickstarter. And oh, yeah. Exactly. And so I, I thought it was pretty epic. It was like, it was called Creatures of Legendaria. And you're trying to become the most legendary creature. And it had all this asymmetric craziness going on. But anyways, yeah. I passed it along to Kyle and he, he blind play tested it for me. And then he was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And <laughs> got into design himself. And he was working on like, at the time, I, I think his family, his kids were playing Candyland. And so he's like, I bet I could do a better version of Candyland. And so he had like shifting maps uh, version of Candyland. And, okay. um, yeah, neither of our games were good. <laughs> and he, he'll admit that too. I don't think he'll, he'll be offended if I said that. But um, anyways, we got into it there and I designed several more games and eventually had some designs that were holding up over time. And it's like, oh, these are actually publishable. Hmm. And at that point, Kyle was out of dental school and I was nearing completion and I was pitching to publishers and actually had some pretty big publishers like the Walmart level uh, brands looking at some of my games. Wow. And eventually they just said, these games are a little bit too complicated for our target target audience, which is like soccer moms, you know? Yeah. So like basically it, it gathered a lot of interest, but it was just slightly too complicated for them. And I realized at some point, like, you know what, I could publish these myself and be in control uh, creatively of, of how they turn out production wise and things like that. Sure. So talking with Kyle, we, he's really into, you know, videography and photography and stuff. And he kind of wanted to start a, a YouTube channel and, and he has since with Bitewing games uh, yep. been like reviewing games here and there in his spare time, although he's a full-time dentist. So he's a pretty busy guy <laughs> and has several kids and stuff. So someone's um, in the chair. He's like, hold that thought. I got to go write something down at a game. Idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was saying that he, he lent tickets to ride to one of his patients the other day. So <laughs> And they were walking out of the dental office with it, but that's kind of nice. funny. Um, so yeah. So he, were, were you guys playing game Like when you were in dental school, were you guys playing games together or were you still kind of doing your separate thing and you're just kind of saying, Hey, Kyle, check this out. And then he'd give you feedback or were you guys like doing like game nights and things like that as well? Or yeah, yeah. We were getting together with our, okay. you know, our wives and uh, we were playing games uh, usually like a couple times a month, but I was yeah. playing with a lot of other people too. I had a bunch of neighbors around me that were professional students. And so we were just gaming all the time. I felt like, I feel like during that time in dental school, I, I like caught up on like 10 years of gaming that I missed out on in the span of just a few years, you know, cause it was just yeah. so much. And, and so little time, it was a lot of fun. It amazes me. And I think this is a pretty consistent story with a lot of people that get into the industry, right? Where they're used to playing like Monopoly and Risk and, you know, Othello and things like that. And you yeah. know, Clue when they're younger, mm -hmm. kind of left the gaming industry. Somebody pulls out a game at an event or in a, in a dorm or something like that. Says, hey, you want to try it? Well, what's that? And, you know, they start playing a game, Catan or one of these other gateway games and they get bitten by the bug, right? And then right. they're just like, okay, I got to consume as much as I can in terms of uh, these games. I want to try everything, right? And sure. it almost becomes mm -hmm. like an obsession. So yep. how did you guys come up with this name Bite Wing? Is there some significance <laughs> behind that? Yeah, so we, we figured, you know, if we're going to start a company and, and try to start publishing our own games, what do we call ourselves? And we looked at, you know, some generic names and stuff. And eventually we're like, you know what? We're both dentists and we're starting a publishing company. Why not lean into that? And so Bitewing felt like, you know, it's it's kind of a succinct word. It's also great for the SEO. Like if you search Bitewing games, the only thing that's going to come up is us because <laughs> there's just nothing else out there like it. Otherwise, if you search Bitewing, you see x-rays, you know. Nice. Um, but the, the main reason it really stuck for us is that 
uh, bite wings, you, you take these x-rays when, when you go in for an exam and yeah. it's, it's kind of when, when you look in a patient's mouth, you can spot cavities and, and stuff like that and issues going on, but in between the teeth, you can't see as well. Cause they're, they're tightly packed together, you know, sure. and the bite wing helps you to see from a different perspective, those same teeth and see if there's something going on there that you wouldn't be able to see with the naked eye. And so we figured, you know, we want to bring something fresh and interesting to the board game industry as publishers. And so just like in a bite wing where you have that unique perspective and uh, with our games, we want to bring a refreshing interaction and perspective for people and something that, that really sticks. And, and so kind of our short tagline is like, we make games that bite. So, so bite the bite, the, now I'm just trying to think the bite wing, cause I've had some experience at the dental office. I'm sure mm -hmm. to say, uh, <laughs> is that the little, like the negative thing they stick in that kind of you know, bite down on and it's kind of shaped a bit like a T and kind of digs into your gums and they say, don't move. And they yep. leave the room because they can't be in the room when they're taking the x-ray and they hit the button and come back. Is that the, is that the thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. It's, it's the one where they, they get an image of your upper and lower teeth at yeah, the yeah. same time by having you bite down on it. And so, yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's cool. I like the, the, the tie in and, and, uh, kind of paying homage to, you know, what your day job is right in, in, mm -hmm. in your career, but then also, uh, bringing to something that uh, has some benefit in terms of searchability and so forth. I think that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So you guys decided then to, how did you connect uh, with your designer? So Reiner, how did, how did you connect with him? Yeah. So we, like I said, we had some of my own designs, which we're still planning to publish. Yep. And, but we thought, you know, we're, we're an unknown entity aside from us starting a blog and a podcast and YouTube channel, you know, this year and last um, and that's still like a relatively small following. We're not like the dice tower or shut sure. up and sit down or anything, the big dogs. But, um, so we decided if we try to put out one of our own games, it's just, it's hard to make a splash as a, a first time publisher as a first time Kickstarter creator. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, and then people wonder like, are your games any good? I've never tried any of your games before. And yeah. how do I know that they're tested and polished and fun and worth my money? And so there's a lot of barriers to, to leap over when you're a brand new publisher. Yeah. It's brutal. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and like, it can help to, to, if, you know, if you get lucky and win some design awards, that gives you some yeah. credibility. Sure. Um, which I, one of my designs con artists was a finalist in, in the cardboard Edison award. And that was pretty cool. And, oh, sweet. and that's the one that, you know, some big publishers have been looking at, but, uh, we're going to publish ourselves now, but, um, what we realized was was probably the best way to enter the industry if you want to really hit the ground running is to either reach back into the huge library the database of board game geek find a gem that people are hungry to be reprinted and and bring that and and refresh it and re-implement it or uh, work with a designer who who is well established and who has a following and who is trusted by by fans and and the industry and so what we did was we, we reached out to a few different, you know, designers for their, for their old games that looked like a lot of fun and just hadn't been around for years, hadn't been reprinted. But we mm -hmm. also reached out to Reiner Knizia because uh, I'm, uh, you know, like, like we've talked about, I'm a huge gamer. Reiner is one of my favorite designers. I have like two and a half, almost three shelves worth of his games now. Nice. It's just exploded. But uh, we reached out to him and said, hey, we're looking to publish a bundle of card games to actually bundle with one of our card games initially. Um, and because we figured if you're going to Kickstarter and you're trying to put a 15, 20, $25 card game on there, yeah. people are going to have to pay almost 
the cost of the game and shipping as well. And that's another hard ask um, yeah. to, to put out a small game. And they, they tend to not do as well as the big box miniature style games. Mm-hmm. So we figured a bundle would be the good way to go as long as it targeted the same audience. And uh, so we reached out to Reiner and <laughs> he, uh, you know, he's a very unique designer. I think if we reached out to some other professionals in the industry who only put out a few games a year, They'd be like, no, we're not taking a risk on, you know, this brand new publisher. We don't know how, how your games are going to look and, and if people are going to buy them and if you're not going to mess up on some part of the process. But Reiner has designed a lot of games and uh, he do also you have to is, told him, Do you know how many he's done? Do you guys have he, to told him? Well, he says he has over 700 games and books published. Wow. So, and he has a library of all the copies of his games. And this includes different versions of each game that have been yeah. published through the years and by different publishers. It's over 2000 games. <laughs> wow. So just this huge library of, of games and versions that, that he's accumulated and, and designed. And uh, so we reached out to him and yeah, he was super cool to work with. I think he, he's used to working with indie publishers mm. and uh, the other thing that he does that's a little bit unique is, is we had to put a deposit down on the royalty to even acquire the license. Usually you start paying it once you start selling. Yeah. Um, but in his case, you know, he's the big dog. And so <laughs> if we're going to sit on his designs for, for a year or more and make money or not, um, it's, it's okay either way for him because he still gets paid for, for us having the licensing rights during that time. Now, some of these games, were they, were they published already in other countries? Yeah, so uh, one yeah. of them is brand new, Hot Lead, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Soda Smugglers was published in 2019 as Heisware. I probably that's probably not how you pronounce it in Germany, <laughs> and as a and that's an alcohol smuggling game. Yeah, and then it was also published in Japan as a chocolate smuggling game. <laughs> nice. And so, but those are both relatively small publishers. They don't have a big uh, like the German one is a book publisher actually, mm-hmm. and so they don't have a big reach. Mm-hmm. Um, within, so I think they were pretty small scale, scale when they put it out. So people really don't know about this game. It's still pretty fresh and new. The third one. I was going to say though, I think that what that speaks to is the fact that these are games like the kinks have already been worked out, right? Mechanically in these games. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's not like you're coming with a game that is a completely new invention. Like there, there's some history here to show that these should be successful and right? they should do well once yeah. you uh, introduce them to a broader audience. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And we've seen, we've seen, um, that with, with testing it out with gamers and with yeah. non-gamers, like it's, it's been really been a hit soda smugglers and hot lead. And then the third one as well, Puma Fiosi. So that one is unique because, um, it's a real implementation of rooster booster, which okay. this is an interesting story because, uh, we tried out seven Kinesia prototypes or we tried out five of them. He pitched seven to us and we're like, these five seem like they could be a good, good fit for our t- intended audience. We tried them out and then there were three that were like, these are excellent. You know, we've tried these with a wide variety of people and we were having so much fun. And I looked into Puma Fiosi a little more and found out like, oh, it, it existed as Rooster Booster years ago. It kind of targeted a younger audience yeah. and it got a lukewarm reception on BGG. And I was like, oh, shoot, that's kind of a concern because, you know, people who are regular BGG board game geek um, are going to see like this is a re-implement of an old game that doesn't have amazing ratings. And uh, so I was like, well, what's the deal? How come we're having so much fun with this game that was just like, whatever in the past. And I looked into it and Reiner has changed like a ton with this design actually. Mm. Um, he, they used to be a deck of a hundred cards. It used to be only uh, three to five players instead of two to five. Um, the, the way the hierarchy is laid out was different. 
and the theme was completely different. And then he even added in uh, kind of an advanced mode as well yeah. um, to add more strategy to it. And so you, you make all those, like, it's interesting how the same design, you know, at its core and its essence, the most interesting part, you got to play the second highest card yeah. uh, to win a trick is, can be so much better um, with just a few tweaks and, and they're, they're big changes, but like, you know, and, and Reiner's had plenty of years to, to look back at this yeah. design and, and to, to figure out, okay, how do I make this better? And I feel like he's brought it, uh, made it more appealing to the gamer audience yeah. as well as kind of uh, matured the theme and the, uh, the appeal to it as well. And so. So for people that are watching uh, live or on the replay, I'm just, I, I'm just sharing my screen right now with the page. We're going to get into each of these games in a second because I think they all have a pretty cool hook and uh, I'm going to get you to talk about each of them kind of individually if that's cool. Yeah. Um, but first, congrats on where you've landed so far. You've got 21 days to still go in your campaign. You've already, I'm going to put this in Canadian dollars because that's all the only way I can see it and it's always bigger. So yeah, it's a two for one. Uh, <laughs> 18 point, uh, 18 and a half thousand dollars you've hit uh on a uh, on a goal of twenty five thousand. so uh the straight math shows that you know the back end hockey stick you have in the last two days of this campaign it's not a question of whether you're going to uh, fund or not i think it's pretty clear you're going to fund mm -hmm. it's just a matter of how far over that funding goal you go so congrats exactly. on that Thank 251 you. backers so far so still 21 days to go but what really caught me on this is i'm a big fan of card games i love card games mm -hmm. and uh, you know i have some i've developed myself um, I find card games are great because when you're doing a, uh, a game night, uh, you know, we've got a meetup group that we, that we go to where often there's, you know, it's open to the public. So often there's new people coming in looking just to kind of learn to socialize and get into the industry, uh, you know, as, as new players, right. Card games are always the, the, the greatest thing to pull out because you can pull people in so, so easily. You can explain them so quickly. And I've yet to find somebody that doesn't love a card game, right? So that's mm -hmm. what kind of struck me on this, but not that you guys just have one card game, but you actually got three as part of this kind of uh, criminal capers collection. So let's talk first about Soda Smugglers. Can you give us kind of the gist of this, uh, what that's about? It had a bit of a vibe of, uh, I guess, uh, Sheriff uh, of Nottingham has got yeah. uh, some essence there, but it plays differently, but give us kind of uh, the kind of the overview of that. Yeah, I've seen, uh a fair amount of people make that when they see it on social media or whatever, make that yeah. comparison to Sheriff of Nottingham um, because they do have a similar style. You know, you are, you are smuggling something across the border and one player as the traveler and then one player as the border guard is inspecting and making arrests and taking bribes and that kind of thing. Yeah. And so our, our job as a publisher has been to communicate, okay, why should I own, you know, this one, if I already enjoy and own Sheriff of Nottingham and how are these different and that kind of thing. And so, so to smugglers, you, it's very simple. It's, it's only a 20 minute game where Sheriff of Nottingham is 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. You can play it with three to eight people where Sheriff of Nottingham, I think goes to five or I think it goes to six mm -hmm. players. And, uh, and then it's, it's a lot more accessible. You can teach this game in under a minute and play it in 20 minutes. And so you can just get people into it so easily, regardless of, of their gaming background. And so with this, uh, you know, lawmakers are cracking down on soda and so uh you're only allowed to bring one soda bottle across the border and so the travelers are dealt five cards and these cards either have zero one two or three bottles yeah. in each suitcase card and so you might end up with a hand of just like tons of bottles and you're like shoot this round i'm illegal whether i like it or not so then you got to figure out what kind of bribe am i going to offer to hopefully <laughs> maybe if they accept my bribe and let me through or am i going to use my one 
you know, one card that has nothing on it and just try to like really uh, milk this round for all it's worth and hope that I don't get inspected or arrested. And so I, I would say the difference here is, you know, the, the border guard is using limited action tokens on certain people. And where I think uh, Sheriff of Nottingham is a lot more flexible and, and there's a lot more kind of wheeling and dealing involved. Yeah. Whereas this one is, is a lot more clean and fast paced and, uh, and thinky. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really fun game. We, we have had a lot of people say like, I've never asked anybody, like, have you played Sheriff of Nottingham or which do you like more? But a lot mm -hmm. of people have said, I like soda smugglers better. And uh, it's mostly because it's fast and, and really easy to get into, I think. I, I would think travel size too, right? So the fact that it's a card game uh, and it comes in a little box, you can travel with that a lot easier. Take it to somebody's house or take it with you. Where Sheriff yeah. Nottingham is still in a fairly large box, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So, so it's a little more accessible that way. Um, yeah. yeah, I've got and the And then the general here. idea of, of doing the, uh, the soda, is that just so, again, you can in, in, include family and things like that? So you're not kind of taking the whole alcoholic... Well, it was actually, Reiner originally designed it as a chocolate smuggling game, it turns mm. out, which is what Japan, that publisher, went with. And yeah. then the, he said that the German publisher was like, we don't want chocolate, we want the hard stuff, <laughs> which is, you know, <laughs> sounds very German, uh, which is awesome. And uh, actually for us, we have a lot of friends and family who don't drink alcohol culturally. Yeah. Sure. And so we figured like, okay, if these, a lot of these people are going to be our day one backers, and if we're trying to to sell them on a game that they, they like don't really drink alcohol and that kind of thing. And it is like, um, even though I've played it mostly with adults and, and enjoyed it a lot, um, it's a family friendly game. And yeah. so we figured, you know, with soda and with like, you can kind of see, this is just a prototype box. It's actually, they're actually going to be square boxes, sure. but this is all we had to work with for now. And you can see like, we were able to to hit a really colorful, and you can see it on our Kickstarter page too, with the the soda brands yep. and the uh, the bottle caps and stuff. We were able to make it a really colorful, inviting, and and really fun production. And our artist has had a great time coming up with just random soda brands out of thin oh, air, awesome. and, and really investing in in making them and putting Easter eggs in them too. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> All right, so the next game you got is this. Um, uh, we have on the list here, uh, Puma. Fiosi. So how'd you come up yeah. with this name, Puma Fiosi? <laughs> so actually, name. yeah, when Reiner pitched it to us, it was Mafiosi. Yeah. And I looked online and saw that there were other games named Mafiosi. None of them are yeah. mega popular or anything. But, and then Mafiosi is, is a very common term. And so- Still, Again, nobody if, loves a, a trademark dispute more than somebody that just got a campaign that was funded. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> sounds like a lot of fun, right? Yeah. And uh, and on top of that, we wanted to give it a little more flavor. There's plenty of mafia games out there. And, sure. and this one, you can, you know, the mechanisms are, do evoke that feeling of like hierarchies and, and kind of cutthroat nature to it. And so mm -hmm. I felt like the theme he chose was really good from, you know, from what it was originally Rooster Brewster. I feel like this one's more thematic. Yeah. But uh our artist Paul Halcyon is really good at anthropomorphic stuff. If you go oh, look yeah. at his, if you look at his Instagram page in particular, he's very active on there. He's done all kinds of like insanely good things, and uh, we realized like, oh, Puma and Mafiosi, you can put them together, and and uh, you know Puma Fiosi. So that's where that came from. And honestly, he he's told us since he illustrated this game, which he finished up only probably a few weeks ago, uh, that he feels like this is one of the the best projects he's ever done. And oh, cool. it really shows in the cards, like the characters are all very diverse and interesting and, and hilarious in some cases. So it's been fun to see how he's brought this game to life. 
And then the gist of this game is what? So you're trying to kind of uh, get your family members kind of higher up in the hierarchy or, or how does that work? It's a pseudo trick taking and an auctioning okay. game in the sense that everybody plays one card clockwise each round. Mm. But the one that wins the round is the second highest card instead of the, the highest card. And uh, and then with your second highest card, if you're the winner, you have to decide where you're going to place that card with your own player token or family tile into the hierarchy to kind of claim your points for the rounds uh, for the for that game. And uh, so if you put it at the top, that's by the big boss. Closer to the bottom is the, uh, you know, where you get put underground because, you know, the mafia is cut through a place. And uh, what can happen is you can put it in an empty space or you can bump down somebody else that has a lower card at that same step, a lower number. And if they get bumped down, not only are they losing points by, by going down to a lower value step, but they also take penalty point for uh, being bumped down. And so it's kind of a push your luck element to it. And uh, it's very interesting it appealed to me so much because it, it feels unlike anything else I've ever played. And it feels unsolvable and thinky, but also still really simple in, in a very Keynesian way. And so it's it's been a lot of fun to to play that as well. And then Hot Lead, is this the new title that he came up with then? Is, is Hot Lead yeah. his new one? Yeah, Hot Lead is the brand new one. This is, you know, Kinesia is well known for his auctioning games. And yeah. this is a closed or sealed auctioning game. And it's also very simple and fast. It's actually the fastest of the three games. And uh, the way it works is you are lead investigators trying to collect evidence on criminals. And if you, if you push too hard and kind of investigate too hard, they're gonna smell a rat and go dark. The way that works uh, mechanically is that each round players, gonna, players are gonna choose a card from their hand and put it face down and reveal it at the same time. And there are also cards on display, the evidence cards in the center of the table. And these cards are worth points. And there's, there's five different types of suits or activities, criminal activities that you're trying to gain. And uh, so if I play the highest card in a, in a sealed bid, then I get the card that's closest to the deck. If I play the lowest card, I get the one that's furthest from the deck. And then, you know, there's mm -hmm. the ones in between as well. And the thing that makes this really crunchy and interesting is you want three of a kind to be able to convict a specific criminal organization for 10 bonus points. That's a huge bonus in this game. But if you get a fourth card of the same type, then you lose that, all of those cards of that type. And so because this is a closed auctioning game where, where what you play, is, you know, what you get is relative to what others play, mm -hmm. um, you're trying to get into each other's heads and minds and, and dodge the ones that will make you bust while get the ones that will bring you the most points. And so it's, it's really a firecracker of a game. And, and I think a lot of people have been excited for another auctioning game from Rainer Kinesia. So it's almost like as you, if you get that fourth card, it's almost like the criminal is kind of getting wise to the fact that they're uh, they're closing in, and then that's when they kind of bail. I guess is that kind of the general exactly. idea? Exactly. They go dark. They they go underground, and they stop doing their operations for a while. And so you kind of your case goes cold, and you lose all those points and that evidence that you collected. And so we've had this is a really interesting game because we've had games where nobody's busted at all, and mm -hmm. we had like really high scoring rounds, and then the very next time we played it, like you know, because they're like they can be five, 10 minute games if you're playing fast enough and everybody's busting. And it's just the way the cards come out in the center. And it's pretty hilarious when it's just landmines all over. <laughs> and you're like, I, I have to get this one card. Otherwise I'm going to bust with these other two. And so it's, it's a great time. Now with the, the campaign, you've, you've set it up so that if uh, someone finds one of these games, interesting, they can get one game at a time. 
Uh, but there's also a bundle. If they take all three, there's a discount, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly with, uh, with shipping rates and so forth, it makes sense to why not just grab all three because you can spread that shipping rate across all three, I imagine. Right. Um, and then you guys have added then another level as well where there's uh, like a deluxe version, I guess, right? So like mm-hmm. the tokens are like, there's like poker chips and actual tokens and things like that versus like punch Is that the general idea? Yeah, yeah. Soda Smugglers has 80 plastic stackable bottle cap tokens. And, and that's oh, just cool. a, you know, stackable, it isn't like a gameplay functionality, but it feels really satisfying to handle. And that's what we were going for. And same with the, there's mini poker chips, clay poker chips and Puma Fiosi. Yeah. And those you're stacking either on your, your positive point card or your negative point card, which is either like something something to be proud of or something to be like, it's kind of funny for others because you keep getting nailed. And then uh, Hot Lead has like these thick wooden tiles. And so all of them kind of add this element of, of like a really nice, fun tactility to the games. That's awesome. One thing I really noticed on this page, which I want to I want to compliment you on uh, that you don't see as much anymore is when I watch your video, your video is is shot practically, right? So you have like mm-hmm. a, a voice. You guys, have, it sounds like you've hired a voiceover artist, which is what mm-hmm. I would 100% recommend anybody do. Yeah. It is horrible when uh, when the audio sucks on a video. You can have the best video ever. And I've seen some really slick videos that have like mm-hmm. slick animation, everything. And then they have their friend do the voiceover into like a mic and it just, it's, it, does, it just degrades the video so much. So you guys did a right. great job of, you know, getting a proper voice artist. But it's all done practically with, you know, actual cameras filming, actual game components and so forth. And I think the lesson there is, is clearly you guys have already hit $18,000. You're probably going to hit $25,000 uh, or, or greater, right? By the time yeah. this campaign is done. I think that that's a testament to those people out there that may feel that you have to do like a really expensive video. You don't have to do a really expensive video uh, mm. on a Kickstarter campaign especially if you have the actual game components and, and you know you and I were talking just before we went on air about this with uh, my game Nutty Squirrels Yokewood Forced you know I was trying to hire an animator we couldn't connect it was taking too long and the time I was trying to get an animator uh, connected a physical copy reviewer copy uh, arrived so I ended up just shooting the practical game itself there's nothing better than the actual game than the actual game right so exactly congrats yeah. on that you guys did all your own videos going through it doesn't look like you really paid for any preview videos look like you put some review videos and so forth that you had so this to me is a case study on if you want to do a campaign no frills but do it right this is the campaign you should look at and follow what these guys did because it right from the beginning all the way to the end it's done very clean it's done very structured very well but it's done uh, with what you guys have at your disposal instead of going off and hiring a bunch of talent and a bunch of animators and so forth. So I really, I just wanted to compliment you on that because I was really impressed when I saw that. And, uh, and again, hitting the, the milestone that you guys have in funding so far is just proof that you don't have to put a ton of money necessarily into, into a video and so forth. Yeah. yeah, fortunately, Kyle's a really good uh, videographer, and and so he's put a lot of effort into that. I was gonna say real quick, Fiverr. So. Fiverr is where we got the uh, the voice actor, and it's like ten bucks. Yeah, and Fiverr's we just great. We, 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 we did some digging and found him there. And then I think it was 30 bucks for the song, the rights yeah. to the song. And then the other thing I was going to say is Facade Games, their most recent Kickstarter was Bristol 1350. Yeah. Um, we learned a lot studying their page because they do a similar thing. Yeah. Um, he has a very high rate on like... Uh, I think he he pockets about 50% mm. is what he said of of his Kickstarter campaigns and that's because he's really smart with his money and yeah. his budgeting and I would say look at his you know they're they're more established publisher than we are we're brand new first campaign for them this is their 
fourth one, I, I believe that they put out and he, he still did the same thing, you know, the live shots. And I think he got a copy of his game for 500 bucks early from his manufacturer. Yep. And, uh, and he did some incredible stuff with that and it did very well. So I would say, you know, that's the way we're going to do it going forward. And I would recommend it to others. If you get the right manufacturer, you can even get a sample of your game at no cost, right? Oh, they'll, cool. they'll build yeah. into, into your overall uh, cost of, of production. They'll, they'll send yeah. you a copy to review and so forth. So, um, yeah, lots of lessons to be learned here for sure. How did you build your audience? How did you kind of get that initial going in um, boost to hit you over, I think it was over 50% funding on your, on your first day? <laughs> There's probably three, three main pillars. So the first one was we started a podcast, blog, and mm. YouTube channel. And we, we shared that in relevant locations and, and we tried not to make it so much about what we're working on and, yeah. and, you know, us, but like as gamers and as fellow fans, we shared like, what are we playing? What are our opinions on those games and, and try to find and build a community that way who have similar opinions to us. I think that's helped. The second thing was, um, <laughs> the day, the day of launch, I had a list of probably two or 300, uh, friends and family members who I had already written out uh, specific messages to, it wasn't just generic copy paste exact same message. I mean, the, the stuff about the Kickstarter was, was pretty much the same, but yeah. like actually connecting with people again. And it was amazing to see the, uh, the support that we got from, for people, even some like cousins, um, or, or friends or cl old classmates from years and years ago yeah. who either love board games and I didn't know it, or, uh, just, just are very supportive and, and really giving people and, and they've, they've been a huge boost to that, to us in that way. The third thing we use was, was a uh, next level web. They yeah. are a marketing team who, um, they've been very helpful with running Facebook ads. And, and it seems like that's a, a really good way to go. Cause we, especially these past few months, we've really built our, our, uh, email up, uh, our subscribers up through that. So the Facebook marketing. How big is so your list? How big is your email list? It, it honestly isn't too, it's like 550 uh, mm. or less. And so I know a lot of people say you need like 10,000 because only 10% are going to support you. But um, no, I think I think because we offered a deluxe version that is compelling, um, we're kind of getting more per backer in that way. Nice. And also, you know, just really trying to connect with people personally and, and mm. provide content on a weekly basis that is meaningful to a lot of these subscribers has built up more of a loyalty than, than I would say just pure advertising and hoping they buy your stuff. So that's awesome. Where, where do you guys take it from here? Uh, so once you get these three games out, like what's, what's the next step? Where, like, what do you guys, what's the plan? Yeah. So I, you know, Kyle is still full time, but I am working only part time. I was lucky to land a job here in Arizona yeah. where I work in the afternoons at the dental office. And so I have the rest of my time to focus on publishing, which is perfect. And, uh, so we actually have four games planned for next year. We're, we're going to split them up into two Kickstarters. And uh, so, and we've been reaching out to, to some well-known designers still, but also planning to implement my two designs into one of the campaigns. Sweet. And uh, so we're planning to work with Reiner Kinesia some more. He's been fantastic. And I, I love what he does for the industry. And I think, uh, you know, his card games, for example, oftentimes don't get enough love from an artistic and and a production standpoint, often, you know, if you're going retail, it's, it's usually good to invest less in mm -hmm. the, uh, the production and, uh, kind of a lot of times that the games end up looking samey, even though they play really fun. And so we wanted these card games to stand out and I'm, I'm hoping to do that with some more of his designs and we have some plans coming soon for next year. So we'll be working with Kinesia, doing our own designs and, and hopefully working with even more designers as well. 
No, that's awesome. Yeah. So if people want to follow along um, in the show notes uh, for this uh, this podcast and this episode, uh, there's links to the Kickstarter page. So anybody just go there. You can click through this Kickstarter page. If you find any of these games compelling, which I do, uh, you know, feel free to uh, to pledge. You still got some time. Yeah. And if they want to follow you on the social media side and your podcast and your blog, how best do they do that? Yeah, so uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And we have our website, bitewinggames.com. That's B-I-T-E-W-I-N-G, games. And so um, we'd love to have you you join us for, you know, if any of those mediums entertain you and you like to follow, you know, you like to listen to podcasts or whatever, we, we try to keep things fun. We're actually this Monday putting out a podcast with Reiner Knizia, an interview. Oh, and sweet. we're not just talking about our games. We're talking about all kinds of things. And even something like, I'm, I'm such a fan geek. I was asking him about, you know, stuff he's got coming out in the pipeline. And so for those of you who are big Kinesia fans, uh, that's something to look forward to. So yeah, it's, it should be pretty easy to find us. Like I said, just Google Bytewing games and it's going to be the whole front page, which is <laughs> it's a bit, very convenient for us. And uh, yeah, you can feel free to reach out to us. If you have questions about publishing or design or working with Reiner, we're always happy to chat. So. Awesome. Well, Nick, I wish you all the best of success with this campaign. Thank you. Uh, it looks awesome. I know a bunch of my friends uh, who I follow are already uh, pledgers. So uh, awesome. I have no doubt that you guys are going to crush this. I also want to mention that if there's uh, anybody that wants to get in on a contest, uh, Nick has been very generous in actually donating the uh, the base pledge, uh, the full uh, suite of games. So all three games, we're going to run a, a contest a giveaway on our uh, Instagram page, the Board Game Binge podcast page. The rules are very simple. Same as we do all of our, our competitions or, or giveaways is you um, follow us, follow Bitewing Games and tag three friends. You get an entry, a ballot into the, the draw. And then if you share it on your stories and tag us as well, you get another entry. So very easy way to enter. And, uh, and it's a lot of fun. So Nick, once again, thank you for your generousness on this and uh, all the best of this campaign. Thanks a bunch. It's a pleasure to be here. You take care. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time. We'll be right back.